Welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. I'm Micah Frankel. Visit the website. It's cageminds.com. And also give us some support by picking up some apparel over at nmproshop.com. Got t-shirts and tank tops up there right now. Last week, we'll start off with the Contender Series. You know how we do. It was last Tuesday. Tonight, we'll have another episode. Dana White handed out two more contracts this past week. The main event, a first-round knockout. Igor Pataria gets his job done. Lucas Sladinsky goes down. The Ukrainian fighter gets a UFC contract. And then in the earlier portion of the night, Daniel Zabara and Lucas Almeida. Back and forth, incredible striking affair. The unanimous decision goes for Daniel Zubar. And he also moves on to the UFC. Jump over to Bellator on Friday. Bellator going overseas to the UK. A huge homecoming for Michael Venom Page. That main event, the long-awaited rematch. MVP against Douglas Lima. For my money, probably the most anticipated fight in Bellator right now. Seeing as how McKee beat Pitbull, and we're waiting to see where that situation progresses to as McKee would like to go after Pitbull Friday's featherweight, or lightweight title after having taken the featherweight title. This fight, gotta say, it did not live up to the expectations. It did not live up to the allure of what we were hoping for. MVP, a killer entrance, a great walkout, the tension, palpable. You could cut it with a knife inside the building. How would this much-anticipated main event start out? And it started out on a blistering pace. In the first 90 seconds, MVP would lunge in. Catching Douglas Lima twice will throw in kicks off balance. One leg, not great balance. And Venom Page would hit him with right hands and push him down, getting the knockdowns. Boom. As soon as that butch touched touch the ground from Lima, he would pop back up, ready to go again. First 90 seconds, two push-down knockdowns. Nothing significant. You didn't see Lima stumbling. You didn't see him staggering. You didn't feel like the finish was imminent. You didn't feel like those were incredibly significant strikes. Maybe, possibly, again, assisted by Lima being on one leg to help those knockdowns occur. But still, two knockdowns in the first round. Well, that was just the first 90 seconds. What happened the rest of the round? Well, for the final two minutes of the round, Michael Venom Page was on his back trying to hug Douglas Lima, terrified of initiating any kind of ground attack himself, trying to nullify the position and being ground and pounded. Crazy me, I, I think that first round might have went to Douglas Lima. Second round, they stay on the feet, they stay at range, they stay at distance. That is obviously an MVP round. I can't even tell you what he landed that round that was significant, but you got to imagine playing his game, it was his round. Third round, the deciding round, it's one-to-one -one right now, and Lima puts Page on his back for two and a half minutes, ground and pound, no offense, all defense, just taking the pounding is what Michael Venom Page is doing. Then we go over to the judges' scorecards. Seems pretty easy to me. That first round, that third round, four and a half minutes of top time, all kinds of ground strikes to none. This had to be a Douglas Lima fight. Well, one judge agreed with me. Unfortunately, two other judges felt those push-down knockdowns in the first round were entirely crucial. I understand the significant strikes. Winning the striking, that's the first judging criteria. 
but I'd say the ground and pound for over two minutes nullified those two knockdowns that really weren't significant shots, weren't impactful, damaging blows to Lima. Split decision goes for Michael Venipage. I feel like this all but assures that Jason Jackson should be the number one contender in that Bellator welterweight division. Co-main event, that was a women's featherweight bout, and Liam McCourt gets her takedowns, gets the job done against Jessica Borga. You got one judge going 30-27, two going 29-28. I still see McCourt as a ways off from being a viable challenger for Cyborg. I know Bellator is behind her, pushing her, but it would just be too much way too soon. Robert Whiteford versus Andrew Fisher. That one is a no contest. I don't know why it's a no contest. In the second round at the 250 mark, the fight is called off after Whiteford takes a third, not just a first, not a second, but a third illegal poke to the eye. The referee had already warned Fisher about where his fingers were going. So when the third foul calls, I'm quite astonished to see that they just call it a no contest. It's just a no contest. You kept fouling him no contest. That felt like a disqualification if there ever should have been one. If there was a prospect or a bright spot to focus in on in the card, it would be in the light heavyweight division as Luke Trainer runs his record to 5-0. It was a second round TKO. Incredible straight punches. The guy is dynamic. He's technical. And he really has a good understanding for what he's trying to get done there in the Bellator cage. Bellator 267. We've got the full results up at cageminds.com. Saturday, there was UFC action, UFC fight night on ESPN Plus from the Apex. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker in the main event. Highly anticipated. Top 10 light heavyweights. Two monsters. Knockout artists. Destroyers and finishers. A surefire, can't-miss night of fireworks. And obviously, you can tell by the way I'm building it up. The fight was nothing of what we expected. Two monsters that when they looked at each other were scared to go forward, were scared to fully engage, were scared to fully exchange, or maybe not scared, maybe over-respectful of each other, at, at fear of the knockout quite possibly. What we got was a tactical long-range bout that the first round was controlled by the front kicks and the hooks of Johnny Walker. The second and third round controlled by the body kicks of Tiago Santos. A fourth round where Walker became more aggressive and offensive finally. And a fifth round where Santos was able to land one big overhand. There are the highlights and what led to a 3-2 unanimous decision victory in rounds. And all three judges agreeing that Tiago Santos took the th second, third, and fifth rounds. A lackluster fight from both. Left a lot to be longing for. Johnny Walker at times has been too wild, too crazy, and this time was too timid. And the same thing goes for Thiago Santos, disappointingly. Santos, though, it ends a three-fight skid. You needed this one. You had to get back in the win column. It cannot continue the way it was and really be a viable title challenger for Johnny Walker. Once again, the allure. Once again, the anticipation rubs off of Walker. There was the knockout loss to Corey Anderson. Had rebounded beautifully stopping Ryan Spann. But then does not deliver. Big win for Thiago Santos. Co-main event, Kyle Dawkins versus Kevin Holland 
an incidental clash of heads is really the name of the game. A headbutt leads to a no contest, but that headbutt actually led to them being on the ground and Kevin Holland getting trapped in a rear naked choke. Dawkins getting that submission, forcing Holland to attack from a standing rear naked choke. But all that is voided where afterwards they look back at the headbutt. Interesting to see how they look back at the foul affecting when you consider just a week before Brian Ortega getting his nose broken in the fight with Alexander Volkanovsky. Again, a clash of heads. This is the total accident. It was just strange optic to see the headbutt happen. We could see that it obviously affected Holland, that they allowed the action to continue to the finish, but then reviewed it to nullify the decision. It's a no contest. Kevin Holland taking unneeded damage and being choked out for no reason when apparently the fight was already over after the headbutt. MMA, weird things happen. In the feature fight, Nico Price put a beating on Alex Oliveira for two rounds. Oliveira, a blistering start, getting on top in the first round. Second round, Nico Price's round. Third round, the powerful punching and volume of Nico Price wins it out go over to the middleweight debut of Misha Serkinov against Christoph Jocko. This one goes all the way to the judges. It was a tight one. A split decision in favor of Jocko. His 8th UFC win by decision. And rebounds from a loss to Son Strickland nicely. You didn't see the aggression and you didn't see the output needed from Misha Serkinov allowing Jocko to counter strike. Lightweight action, Alexander Hernandez made short work of Mike Britton, a KO in 80 seconds, the 1-2, then a flurry along the cage, overhand right obliterates, just absolutely obliterates Breeden. A fifth first round knockout in six knockout victories for Alexander Hernandez. On the prelims, the feature one. Jared Gordon, Joe Selecki goes all the way to the judges and they're split about it. Selecki controlling Gordon's back throughout the first. Gordon on top in the second. And in the third, I thought it was the pressure and the striking in the clinch from Gordon that won it out. Two judges agreed. One goes the other way. Jared Gordon now a three-fight win streak. Flyway action. Casey O'Neill comes in as a big betting favorite over Antonita Shevchenko. Shevchenko was doing very well in the first round. Got the fight down to the ground. Even got the crucifix position. But O'Neill was able to turn on the inside in the second. Her pressure started to wear down. Shevchenko, double leg takedown, advances to mount and ground and pounds her way to the finish. Now 8-0. 3-0 and in the UFC. 128 landed strikes to get that TKO. That's her third finish in those three wins. Two TKOs and a submission. Love the development of this women's flyweight division. Keeping it in the women's action. Moving over to Bantamweight, Carol Rosa. And it's the retirement fight for Betchko Haya. And going out on a sour note. Great jab cross, great left hook, the low kicks, the step in knee, just devastating to the body. Carol Rosa can do it all. Getting in the clinch, the knees and the elbows were just disgusting. 
outstriking Bechkohea 145 to 85 in total strikes. Third time in her UFC career in four, just four UFC fights, that Rosa has accumulated over 100 landed strikes. The number 15 ranked fighter in the women's band and weight division definitely impressed me tonight with that showcase. Lightweight action, Jamie Malarkey versus Devontae Smith. Smith had an amazing first round, twice hurting Malarkey with combinations, having the Australian on the ropes in the second round, though. An outside leg kick from Malarkey looks to land a nerve and changes the complexion of the entire fight. Left hook into the Smith eye. A legal shot. Closed fist. That would start the downhill effect as Smith is leading backwards. Broken down by knees and elbows. Left hooks to the body. It was a grimy in-your-face second round from Malarkey with a body shot. Knocks down Smith. Follows to the ground. The TKO from ground and pound follows. That's back-to-back TKO wins and 10 overall for Malarkey. In bantamweight action, Douglas Silva de Andrade versus Janato Perillo. And Perillo, unfortunately, as he goes for a left outside kick, is met by a left hook from de, Silva, from de Andrade. And Perillo takes flight, an even harder landing. Looked like he slipped on a banana peel. It got him bad, man. Mario Kart status slipping out from under him. But the TKO comes with a couple hammer fists. 20th career knockout victory for Silva de Andrade. 135-pound women action. Stephanie Eager, Shauna Young. It's the double underhook step through judo toss that puts Young on her back. And Eager, 62 landed strikes later, picks up her first victory inside of the octagon. And the night started off with men's bantamweight action. Alejandro Perez versus Johnny Eduardo. It was the first fight in two years for Perez, and once he got the fight to the ground on top, he owned that fight, trapping Eduardo's arm inside of that crucifix position, and then going down with it, forcing it into the arm straight arm bar submission. Nasty business from Alejandro Perez that it was good to see him get back in the win column turn our attentions over to the headlines and my gosh is there a lot of news from the UFC this week. Kama Worthy versus Jai Herbert, a lightweight bout. That one has been added to the UFC Fight Night on October 23rd. And then a ton of additions and subtractions, adjustments to UFC 267. Ezekiel Zaleski Dos Santos will be meeting Benoit St. Denis in a welterweight bout. Again, these are all for UFC 267 on October 30th. Rafael Dos Anjos, unfortunately, out. Dan Hooker, what a G. Jumping in on short notice to take on Islam Mahashev. That went at lightweight. Tristan Conley, he's out. Makwana Mitakani will now be facing Leron Murphy. Again, those were for UFC 267. Now, Tiago Santos versus Joel Alvarez. That one is a lightweight bout. That is added to the UFC Fight Night on November 13th. Caitlin Vieira versus Misha Tate. That one has been rebooked to headline the fight night on November 20th. That card also has added in heavyweight action Augusto Sakai versus Taya Tuivasa. 
in flyweight action, Malcolm Gordon will be taking on Denise Borad. And in women's strawweight action, we got Jessica Penny versus Luana Pinero. Those are all for the fight night on November 20th. The fight night on December 4th. That is going to be headlined by a top-ranked bantamweight matchup as you have Jose Aldo against Rob Font. In heavyweight action, just added to that card, you're going to see Sergey Plavich against Tanner Bozier. Sean O'Malley versus Julian Paiva and Pedro Munoz versus Dominic Cruz. Those are two Bantamweight matchups added to UFC 269 on December 11th, taking place at the T-Mobile Arena. December 9th. December 18th, UFC Fight Night has added in heavyweight action Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins. Sign me up for that one. In featherweight action, two veterans are going to throw down Cub Swanson versus Darren Elkins. And then in women's bantamweight action, Raquel Pennington against Julia, Julia Avila. That one definitely going to be impactful to the rankings. Now to the Fight Night on January 15th, Happy New Year, already to 2022 is what we are talking about. And we're going to move over to the January 15th. UFC fight night. Happy New Year. We're already talking about 2022. Immense flyweight action. Rodrigo Borantin is going to be taking on Brandon Royval. In women's flyweight action, Kay Hansen versus Jasmine Jodoviskis, the contender series vet. And in men's bantamweight action, Brian Kelleher is going to be taking on Sidyukub Karamanov. Sidyukub Ka. Karamanov. Brian Kelleher will be taking on City Boy Karamanov in Bantamweight action. Those again were for the UFC Fight Night on January 15th. Now to UFC 270 on January 22nd. It's been announced that Derek Brunson will be taking on Jared Cannonier. That is a top five middleweight matchup. In heavyweight action, Greg Hardy takes on Alexi Olenek. Two more middleweight bouts to mention. Jacob Malkoon taking on A.J. Dobson and Rodolfo Vieira taking on Wellington Thurman. Women's strawweight action, Ji Young Kim versus Pollyanna Botello. And again, that is for UFC 270 on January 22nd. Rumor to be, but not official yet, rumor to be headlined by the rematch between Robert Whitaker challenging Israel Adesanya for the UFC middleweight world title. And then our last announcement is for UFC Fight Night on January 5th. The first fight added to that card, Marc-Andre Bertrell will be taking on Chitty and Chikawani. At the top of the show, I mentioned tonight we have Dana White's Contender Series on ESPN+. Plus. Five more fights, ten more fighters vying to earn the approval of Dana White and get that elusive UFC contract. Going international in the main event, they're welterweights. It's Israel versus Canada. It's Shimon Smotritsky, 7-0. 
four finishes, three first round knockouts, taking on Mike Malat. Malat, six one and one, three knockouts, three submissions. The Canadian is a ruthless finisher. Co-main event, we're talking about flyweight action. Daniel Berets, 12-4, a six-fight win streak. He has five subs, four knockouts, taking on Carlos Hernandez, 6-1. Unbeaten since losing his pro debut. Four finishes, three of them by rear naked choke. In the feature fight position, we're talking about 135-pounders, weights. even though Justin Weems coming in on short notice did miss weight. He's 9-1, an eight-fight win streak. Six of those wins come by submission. He's taking on LFA vet Fernie Garcia. Garcia, 9-1. Four-fight win streak. Well, I've been impressed by his technical striking. He has three wins by rear naked choke. In light heavyweight action, Shante Barnes, 6-1-1. One one, four knockouts, two submissions. All of his wins coming in the first round. All those finishes taking on Jonathan Holmes. Or taking on Joseph Holmes, 5-1. Five-fight five win streak, 100% finishing rate. The guy has... Four wins, three by rear naked chokes. Everybody on this card, they love the rear naked choke. And then kicking off the card, the first fight you're going to see, 155 pounders. Patrick White, 9-1, nine knockouts, six wins in that first round. Taking on Gennaro Valdez. Valdez, 9-0, 100% finishing rate. He's never seen the judges' scorecards. Six knockouts, three submissions. The Contender Series, tonight they got a crazy amount of finishers. Let's hope the action is as wild as it can be. This Saturday, you do have a big boxing match in the evening. Don't forget, it's fight week. The World Heavyweight title on the line. That WBC belt. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder doing it for a third time. That means we have an early, early start to the UFC fight night. Prelims are at one, are going to be at 1 p.m. Eastern with a main card coming at you at 4 p.m. Eastern. So if you're all the way in California, we're talking about a 10 a.m. start time and a 1 p.m. main card. We've got 11 fights in all, and the women's strawweight division is taking the marquee. Number four ranked Mackenzie Dern, 14-1 and 2, taking on fellow Brazilian number six ranked Marina Rodriguez. Dern, a four-fight win streak, two arm bars, and a knee bar during that spree, she has seven wins by submission. A incredible high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. While Rodriguez comes in with six wins by knockout. Coming in off a decision win in her first UFC main event against Michelle Watterson. Not to mention a fight before that. Rodriguez knocked out Amanda Hebus. Hebus is the only fighter to defeat Mackenzie Dern in MMA. Hebus was able to exploit the lack of technical striking ability from Dern and make her pay for it. You wonder if Rodriguez with her Muay Thai will be able to do the same. We know she's going to crash in, come and look to bring the pressure. On the other side from Dern, you wonder how much she has involved. She's been willing to strike her entire MMA career, not scared of getting hit, willing to get in there and mix it right up. Her striking has definitely improved under the tutelage of renowned coach Jason Perillo. Where has she went since that last fight? That is where we'll see the interesting development. Rodriguez, to my expectations, has the advantage in the striking. But it's probably a smaller advantage than we would expect Durant's advantage on the ground. If this one hits the ground, it could be a bad place 
for Rodriguez. But Rodriguez has been able to handle some top jiu-jitsu practitioners and in my opinion has beat the better level of competition in the octagon wins over Jessica Aguilar. Tisha Torres and not to mention her only loss in MMA is a split. A split decision. That means one judge saw it in her favor against Carla Esparza who in my mind is the number one contender at 115 pounds. Bringing up Esparza though that does say where does this leave the winner? It's Four versus six. How close is the winner of this fight to a title opportunity? I would have to say one fight away. Esparza with a five-fight win streak is sitting right there. She should be fighting the winner of Rosalind Yunus Zhang Wei Li rematch. That's going to be right around the corner here at UFC 268. Jessica Andrade says she'd like to come back to the division once either Wei Li or Rose after that impressive knockout of Cynthia Calvillo at UFC 266. That would leave me saying that the Dern Rodriguez winner could be staring straight at Jessica Andrade because Esparza has earned the opportunity or you could be seeing this winner with maybe one more fight with Yan Xiaonan. Co-main event, we're going to go to 170 pounds. The welterweights, you're going to see Randy Brown, 13-4, and four, taking on Jared Gooden, 18-6. and six. Brown, you may remember, he earned his way to the UFC off of Dana White's looking for a fight. Has had some spectacular moments, like his last win over Alex Oliveira, a one-arm rear naked choke using his using Oliveira's shoulder as the other lever to secure the choke. Jared Gooden, a powerful one-punch knockout in his last fight against Nicholas Stoltz, ending a two-fight skid. Brown has 11 finishes, 6 knockouts, 5 submissions. Gooden, 14 finishes, 8 knockouts, 6 submissions. But you can feel each guy coming off of a win, but with some losses in their backs. They need that momentum. This is a pivotal one to get going in a huge opportunity in the co-main event. Feature fight, 125 pounders. Former title challenger, former Titan FC champion, Tim Elliott, 17-11-1, is going to be taking on Brazilian prospect Matthias Nicolau, 16-2-1. Elliott coming in off a decision wins over Ryan Benoit and Jordan Espinosa, showing his incredible ability to scramble. Well, Nicolau has now won three in a row. His second stint with the UFC kicked off with a split decision win over Manal Camp. In women's flyweight action, Marva Agapova is going to be taking on Sabina Mazo, the former LFA champion. Both of these women can get nasty with their striking. Agapova, we remember her debut submission win with Sabina Mazo. You just got to Google to name the name to see the incredible head kick highlight reel knockouts that she has. Kicking off that main card in the middleweight division. Two guys with incredible wrestling credentials. We're talking about Phil Haas, 11-2 with seven wins by knockout. Taking on the 7-2 Darren Wynn, who has four of his wins by knockout. Wynn, though, in the UFC, has been a wrestler. He looks to get in, close the distance, put guys on their back. Well, Phil Haas, he's winging big, and if he doesn't hit early, he's unfortunately shown to have a smaller than optimal gas tank. That one... Two guys that know each other well should be a good one. In the on the prelims, 
We have the feature one, 135 pounds, Felipe Corrales, who's coming off of a win over Luke Saunders, is going to be taking on Chris Gutierrez. Gutierrez, 4-0-1 in his last five. The guy has incredible ability to put together combinations and finish them with devastating leg kicks. Middleweight division, Jamie Pickett, 11-6, taking on Leonardo Staropoli, the Argentine, who is 8-4, coming up from 170 pounds. Staropoli wants to strike, wants to be able to get those underhooks and separate. We'll pick it. He doesn't care. He'll keep it standing or he'll take it to the ground and look for that rear naked choke. In the heavyweight division, unbeaten Alexander Romanov, who has 13 of his 14 wins by finishes, 5 knockouts, 8 submissions, but coming in off a technical decision win over Juan Espino, took a low blow couldn't continue. I'm guessing that the UFC felt like he lost that fight. 14-0, unbeaten heavyweight, not on the main card. That's almost a head-scratcher. He's taking on Jared Vandera, 12-5. Vandera, 7 knockouts, 3 submissions, coming off a grinding, grueling, in-your-face, in-the-clinch battle, winning a decision over Australian Justin Toffa. I think that Vandera is the guy to make this a dirty fight. The UFC wants to see what kind of grit Romanov has. I'm thinking they're testing him after feeling that ducking out of the fight with Espino was a soft move. At least that's where this positioning on the card screams to me. Damon Jackson versus Tarl Rosa. That's a featherweight matchup. Jackson has showing off an ability to strike that he did not have in his first run in the UFC. 23 fights under his belt and is a credible submission threat. Well, Rosa, Boston Strong, 14-5, and five, he also likes to mix it up, will stick his nose in there, but would rather work on his jiu-jitsu on the ground. In women's strawweight action, we have a battle between former LFA champions as the inaugural champion, Sam Hughes, takes on the promotion's third champion, Lopita Gardinias. These two women will look to keep it striking. Gardinias, tight and technical with her boxing. Well, Hughes mixes it up with the kicks a bit more. Kicking off the card in the lightweight division, somebody I've known, I know well, and have interviewed several times. Steve Mean Machine Garcia, 11 and 4, taking on Charlie Ontiveros, 11 and 7. This is a change of weight class for both fighters. Garcia coming up from featherweight, Ontiveros dropping down from welterweight. Garcia eight wins by knockout. Ontiveros his last three wins all by knockout. That means we get the card going with some fireworks, people. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's going to be fun. It's UFC Fight Night exclusively on ESPN+. Now, you know already, Cage Minds, we are stationed and based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So to talk about the New Mexico local scene, we're going to hit that real quick. Grapple Fest is in the books. Cage Minds Combat Sports News on Facebook is where you can go to relive most of the action. We ended up with a free stream. The pay-per-view was having a couple of glitches, so there was a stream that went up. If you want to go back and relive the action, please do so. October 16th. Legacy Boxing Promotion is going to be at the Kiva Auditorium. It's back to boxing. Aaron Angel Baby Pettis and his brother Abraham the Hammer Pettis will be in the main and co-main events. October 30th, Las Cruces Convention Center. It's MSFT Promotions in association with School of Hard Knocks bringing you a boxing fight night. November 20th at the... Into the Mountain Gods Casino, you have Last Stand. Marco Antonio Barrera and Daniel Ponce de Leon will throw down in a six-round exhibition. The card will also see 30-0 unbeaten Abel Mendoza in action, not to mention Clinton Chavez and Albuquerque champion 
Josh Pitbull Torres. It also looks like Bare Knuckle Boxing will be on their way to the 505 December 3rd at Route 66 Casino, and the card will be featuring Diego Sanchez. At least that's what the rumors say. Now to close out the show, we do have to do it with a sad note. I'm sure you've seen the news passing around the combat sports community. Unfortunately, MMA veteran and bare-knuckle boxer Justin Thornton has passed away following the injuries suffered at his bare-knuckle FC20 loss. Justin was knocked out and went face-first, but instead of landing on his face, landed on the top of his head, and unfortunately, the injured suffered were fatal. Thank you for joining me today. 